You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist. I've been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. I recollect many, many years ago at this stage, one of my early clients talking about how he would use a big, bold, imaginary baseball bat to whack useless thoughts, quote-unquote, out of the park. UCLA tells us that we have 70,000 thoughts whizzing through our head every day. And the interesting thing about those thoughts is that although they appear randomly in our head, they aren't random thoughts. Because, again, according to UCLA, we are entertained, if that's the right word, by the same thoughts day in, day out, because those thoughts come from what psychology calls our stored knowledge, which is a body of programs that is used by our automatic pilot to enable us make it through the day. Wow, how exciting is that? Think of the alternative. You could be living your life to the full. All right, I digress, because I want to come back to the baseball bat. Because my, my client was kind of proud of himself, telling me about this big, bold baseball bat. And I said to him, hold on a second. You don't need a baseball bat. You don't need to whack anything out of the park because there is nothing to whack out of the park. Those thoughts don't exist. They don't deserve a moment of your energy or attention. And even thinking about hitting them away, batting them away, is giving them a little bit of your attention in the same way as if I said to a smoker. When you wake up this morning on your first day of not smoking, you're not going to think about having a cigarette. What is the first thing you'll think about? Because your mind has gone off down into its normal way of thinking. Any little drip of energy or attention we give to our thoughts no matter how innocuous or apparently positive those thoughts might be, is giving those thoughts oxygen. And we certainly do not want to give our own thoughts oxygen because once we give a little thought oxygen, a whole gang of thoughts barrels down the road, drags us down an alley and mugs us. We want to keep our minds pristine and clear. Over the years, I've had, obviously, hundreds, or probably at this stage, thousands of conversations with clients about negative thinking and how evolution has seen to it that we are glass-half-empty people. Because if we were glass-half-full people with a positive mental attitude, we might take our eye off the ball and miss the bushes rustling when the tiger is about to pounce. So we're actually designed to be skewed towards the negative. There's quite a lot of research that shows that we will always pick negative over positive programs when we feed those programs into our automatic pilot on a daily basis to enable us make it through the current task in hand or struggle through the next thing that we have to do so that we can make it safely to bed tonight without having done ourselves any harm. We are constantly on the back foot when we're using our minds normally. We're constantly, automatically negative. 
and that is not living life to the full. That is just about barely existing. But what if you, no, 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 not what if you, because it's actually a matter of fact, seeing as how you are giving your attention automatically to negative thoughts, would it not make sense for you to supplant those negative thoughts with positive ones? After all, you'll all have heard of the book called The Power of Positive Thinking, and an awful lot has been written about positive thinking, and I have myself a minute ago mentioned positive mental attitude. And as we have said in previous conversations, how you live your life is all about attitude. It is the approach that you take moment to moment that is driven by your attitude. But let's get a couple of things straight, straight away. Number one, the only attitude worth having is an attitude of presence of mind, turning up to the here and now, being fully engaged in the moment, so that you can do just what you need to do in the moment in an entirely mentally agile way, as the moments shift from one into another, as the opportunities of the moment present themselves and pass, or as we create opportunities ourselves as a result of fully turning up to the moment. Positive thinking is, like negative thinking, thinking. And for starters, if I'm having some negative thoughts at the moment and try to supplant them with positive thoughts, sure all I'll do is end up having an argument with myself. There'll be a competition between the positive me and the negative me, neither of which is real because they're all born out of thought. And as you know already by virtue of the 70,000 thoughts that we mentioned earlier on, there's already an argument going on in the normal mind's head from one moment to the next. Oh, I want to do this. Oh, no, you can't. I'd love to achieve that. Oh, no, you don't deserve it. I'd love to say what I need to say just in this moment. Oh, no, you're too shy. There's all this nonsense going on all the time. Why add to it? Why stir it? Why give it any of your attention at all? Because in the same way as the baseball bat was not required to hit something out of the park that wasn't there, there's no merit in conjuring up a positive thought to counter a something that actually isn't there. I've used the analogy before but a lot of my clients love it, so I'm going to repeat it again. And if I'm boring you, I do not apologise, because very often, the way our minds work normally, we often have to hear things a number of times before the penny drops. Say you're sitting out in your garden, and it's a lovely sunny day, and it's a clear blue sky, but there are little wispy white clouds scuttering across the blue sky. And they're nothings. They're just little passing clouds. This is how the 70,000 thoughts in our own head whiz across the sky. Those thoughts will just keep whizzing if you ignore them, if you just observe them, if you just let them pass. But the minute you give your attention to one of those little wispy clouds, it stops in the sky and fed by the oxygen that your attention is providing it with, it grows and grows and gets heavier and darker and rains on your parade. A thought on its own is a nothing. Why would you try to counter a nothing 
with something that requires even more of your attention, which in the process gives your attention to the nothing that you are trying to avoid giving your attention to in the first place. Forget positive thinking. Forget positive mental attitude. It was, after all, and there's quite a bit of research done on this, positive mental attitude or positive thinking that got the financial sector into the mess it got itself into in the early 2000s, which led to the crash of 2008. And an awful lot of people suffered an awful lot as a result of that. And some people, what, 13 years on, are still suffering. Positive thinking is deluded thinking. In the same way as your perceived strengths are nothing more than perceptions. Nothings at all until you give them your attention. You see, if we go back to the start of today's conversation where I talked about how we're glass half empty people, how we are predisposed to negative thinking, most of my clients when I meet them for the first time assume that when I say they need to stop giving their attention to their thoughts, they assume I'm talking about their negative thoughts. But we need to stop giving attention to all our thoughts because every single one of our thoughts distances from the reality of the present moment. Think about it like this, or actually just reflect on it. Let's not tie ourselves in, in thought-fueled knots. Here I am sitting here recording this podcast at 62 years of age. I've gone past the age where I count in halves, but if I was counting in halves, I'm 62 and a half years of age. If I am using my mind normally, I am making sense of 2021 based on thoughts that were first implanted deep in my mind, particularly during the year 1960. If I make any sense of what is going on in 2021 using my mind normally, it'll be pure dumb luck. And to be quite honest, the chances of that happening are remote indeed. Once I pay attention to any of the thoughts that constitute my stored knowledge, I have lost my connection to the reality of the here and now. I have lost my connection to the energy of the universe in the here and now, and I have suppressed my own energy by pouring my energy, by diverting my own energy into my own thoughts. As a result of which I'm lost, I'm completely lost. I'm at sea, bobbing around a victim a potential victim to anything that might hit me today. Having a clue what's going on, as a result of which I will react again in a patterned way based on those thoughts and make what was always a bad deal worse. It's no way of living. In fact, it couldn't be characterized as living at all. It's just getting by. It's just making it through the day physically. An awful lot of people make it through the day physically only to end up in the evening an emotional wreck in the sure and certain knowledge that they're going to have the same experience again tomorrow. They are the people that actually even give some thought to the fact that they might be able to change their lives. <laughs> Most people aren't even there. Most people are so divorced from reality that they actually think that the reality that they are experiencing, in inverted commas, through their own thoughts, is the real thing. It's not. Even your perceived strengths are not real for the simple reason they are perceptions. 
When we were young and impressionable, particularly during the third year of our lives, we learned how to make our way in this world. We learned how to negotiate and collaborate. We learned how to communicate in an effective manner. We learned how to manipulate as well. And we learned about our strengths and we learned about our weaknesses. As I said, I learned that stuff in 1960, 1961. It's irrelevant to who I could potentially be here now in 2021. All of those programs, all of those psychological snapshots that I took during the most formative of my formative years, give me an impression, which psychology calls the conceptual self, well named because it is comprised of a series of concepts, or those psychological snapshots, or those perceptions. I have a negative perception about me in this moment in time and generally speaking by the way you won't be aware of it you'll only be aware of it the odd time that you actually kick yourself for tripping yourself up generally speaking we're not aware of this rubbish that's taking place by virtue of the fact that it's all happening subconsciously but if you're aware of a negative thought that is holding you back now you're immediately distanced from the moment if you're aware of a positive thought that you're saying to yourself, well, actually, I, you know, I'm good at this, or I have, I, I'm strong at this, I have a track record of doing this, well, you're still divorced from reality because you are living from the perceptions of who you think you are. Uh, and we're actually designed to learn who we think we are in a way that ensures that in later life, in adulthood, we'll be able to make it through the day without giving a second thought to who we might be because where we become so engrossed in the possibility of our own potential we might again take our eye off the ball and not notice the bushes rustling when the tiger leaps out to end it all. The point I'm making is really simple. Thinking is just thinking. Giving your attention to negative thoughts gives you your impression not only of your limited self but of the limited possibilities of your life. Giving your attention to positive thoughts doesn't have the effect of cancelling out the negative thoughts by virtue of the fact that you're still caught in the world of thought. You need to completely leave the world of thought behind. Now immediately people will say to me, but hold on, I, I'm, I'm paid to be an engineer, or I'm paid to be a project manager, or I'm paid to be an accountant, or I, I'm paid to think up new ideas. From, from, I work in an ad agency, for example. That's not the kind of thought I'm talking about. They're really, I suppose, if, if I could be as, as simplistic about it as possible, there are three kinds of thought. Number one, the automated 70,000 thoughts that are effectively patterned and pre-programmed to enable us make it through the day. The basic stuff in our subconscious mind, in our stored knowledge. The thoughts that you learned that in effect give you a level of expertise. So say you are an accountant, you're an expert in accountancy. Or if you are a plumber, you're an expert in plumbing. You have a body of knowledge. That's a different kind of thought. It is a kind of expertise that you apply in the course of your day. 
Here's an interesting aside. It's not an aside, it's a very important aside. If you are an electrical engineer, you are an expert in electricity. But that doesn't mean you will apply that knowledge in the proper manner if you're buried up your backside in thought. One of my clients over the years has been one of the key electrical generating companies in Europe. And what was discovered over the years was that people, highly qualified electrical engineers, were killing themselves by putting their hand on the wrong wire or cutting the wrong wire because, yes, they had all their technical expertise available to them, but they were paying attention to the repetitive thoughts in their own head, weren't there, weren't paying attention, weren't present in the moment, and despite all their expertise, killed themselves as a result of not being mindful, or if I can put it more bluntly, of being mindless. It was only when this organisation began to realise that it isn't a set of safety procedures that save experts' lives, it is presence and focus in the moment that saves experts' lives. Presence and focus in the moment will save your life. You will save yourself from your perceived self, from your conceptual self. We need to leave the world of thought behind. We don't need to whack it away. We don't need to have an argument with ourselves about supplanting a negative thought with a positive one. We simply need to be present. As I said a moment ago, presence will save your life. Left on automatic pilot, we are never present, and our life passes us by. How sad. I recollect one client saying to me many years ago that he had travelled up to the north of Ireland as his great uncle was dying and he sat with this man who was lying in bed at 87 years of age and his last words to my client were what the hell was that all about? 87 years of existing and not a single moment of his adulthood spent living. Our lives are passing us by when we are not in the here and now. Lost in the world of thought, we are truly lost and all we're doing is surviving. But presence will save your life. It will enable you to discover your life. It will enable you to discover the joy of living in the here and now. Okay. Somebody said to me recently, joy is a word I only expect to see on Christmas cards. But a life without joy isn't a life being lived at all. What is the point of getting up in the morning if you're not going to enjoy yourself today? Think about what I just said. Enjoy yourself. Give yourself joy. You give yourself joy by experiencing the wonder of the here and now. The wonder of life truly lived, free of thought. The wonder of knowing what is actually going on and what you need to do to move forward rather than the mindless alternative of thinking that you know what's going on, of thinking that you know who you are and of thinking about who you think you are and what that thinks about what you think is going on.
madness, utter madness. And I haven't even got it right there. If I were to repeat that sentence, and I won't bother at this stage, there's a couple of other steps of thought involved in there as well, in the whole process of what psychology calls cognitive appraisal. Wake up. Wake up. Turn up. Tune in. Come into your own life and enjoy yourself in the here and now. The key thing you will begin to understand, actually the key thing that you will begin to experience when you come into the here and now, when you wake up, is a dawning realization of how you are an integral part of the universe. This is not some hocus pocus faith-based thing that I'm talking about here. This is hard science. This is modern quantum physics. You and I are an integral part of the universe. The universe would not exist without you. You need to play your part. You need to turn up. You need to realize your own inner potential. When you leave your thought programs behind, it's like taking the cork out of a bottle of the finest of champagne that has simply been waiting to throw itself into life, to invest all its energy in the here and now. What a difference it makes when we stop throwing away our energy into the shadowlands of thought and start investing all of our energy in the here and now where the universe is pulsing in and out of existence, where you and I are pulsing in and out of existence, where you and I are constantly creating and recreating our own reality, whether we know it or not. Now that's an important point, whether we know it or not. When you're on automatic pilot, you're constantly recreating the same reality because you haven't woken up. But when you wake up, you start creating the reality that you would love to live. What a world of difference. But it begs a very important question, doesn't it? If I can create the reality I'd love to have, what would that be? There's a real issue with this. Most of my clients, all of my clients initially, have a real issue when it comes to this because, first and foremost, nobody ever told them that they could have whatever they want out of life. They're like children, led by the hand into a sweet shop, being told, you can have a bit of everything, but you're going to have to choose. That's the first point. The second point is, how am I going to choose? How am I going to choose what I want? How am I going to come to a decision as to what I want out of life or what success means to me when my perception of success has been so tainted to the point of being poisoned by what normal thinking minds think of success? So here's a question for you. Actually, I have two questions for you. First question is, what have you done already today about waking up? Has this podcast woken you up? If you're awake now, what are you going to do to stay awake? 
Okay, that, that, that's actually three questions so far and I still have more to go. We need not just to wake up, we need to stay awake. And therefore, for example, when I talk to my clients about morning meditation, I go on to talk to them about the tools they need to use during the course of the day to ensure that they bring that clarity of mind into the cut and thrust and rough and tumble of their everyday lives, because that's when we need it. There's no merit in being cool, calm and collected on your own in the morning and being a headless chicken at 10 o'clock in the morning when some normal crazy person starts shouting at you. That's when you need to be cool, calm and collected. So my question to you is not so much, has this podcast woken you up? My key question is, what are you doing on a daily basis to stay awake? And as you become more and more awake, What do you reckon your ideal life might look and feel like? In other words, what turns you on? What gives you joy? Now, I know I said a few minutes ago that we enjoy ourselves. In other words, it's something we do moment to moment. The question I'm asking you now is ever so slightly different. What actually turns you on? What are the things you'd like to have loads of in your life? I haven't asked you what are the things you'd like to have less of in your life. They'll drift away the more you come into the present moment. They'll simply evaporate like the thoughts that are just those little whiffy, squiffy, white clouds that drift across the blue sky of the life that we can live in the here and now. What would your ideal life actually look like? Uh, I've asked that question in a very particular way because the subconscious mind, as we know, we even discussed it in this episode, takes psychological snapshots that make and leave an impression on our subconscious mind. But there is another more important question. What would your ideal life feel like? Because when we begin to turn on the emotional tap in our subconscious mind, the subconscious mind can embrace itself in the direction we would love our life to go. And you know what? It will take us there. And it'll take us there anyway. That's the other point. Coming back to what I said a minute ago in relation to you're creating your own life anyway. Why don't you create the life that you want? Your subconscious mind will take you to where you want to go anyway. The fact of the matter is, until you start using your mind abnormally, your normal mind knows that where your subconscious mind needs to take you today is safely back to bed tonight. This is how the mind works anyway. You might as well have it working for you. You might as well start living the life that you'd love to live. You might as well start turning up to the here and now and experiencing the actual fact that in this moment in time, this is your life. Enjoy it. You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. Get involved? Join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called, To Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit www.willie-dash.com.